Hello, everybody. You are listening to the fifth episode of Can You Colloquy featuring Sad Halen. That's right, Sad Halen. Local shoegazers from Orlando, Florida. Very fun, down-to-earth artists that are uh, exactly that, artists. Of all mediums and forms, spoken word, graphics, visual media, all sorts of stuff. They're honestly like, like just truly passionate people that have that, you know, that fire to share their vision and their energies and their thoughts and emotions through music and other forms of art and expression and... It, it was just natural, like the flow of conversation. Like I said, super easy to talk to people and really just fun to talk to. Like we, it flew by, like we just talked for two hours and it was that. Super fun, super relaxed. Got to got to peek into Sad Halen and went there like unfiltered. It was it was neat. They have put out a couple projects. Nothing, nothing full length. No, no full length albums yet. But they put out like an extended release at the end of 2020, titled "Friends." No I, no D, friends, which was the first like official endeavor project that the band did together after rounding out the lineup and finally finding each other through chance and miraculous encounters within the like Orlando scene so before that it was Joywise and if you want to check that out and what the band kind of was like what the band rose from the ashes like a phoenix, Sat Halen rose from Joywise. And if you want to check out some of those early recordings, noisy, gorilla-esque style recording, bedroom vibey, lo-fi-ness. If you like all that, go check out the Sat Halen SoundCloud. It's, they're, they're all up on there. Um, fun stuff. Reminds me sort of of like... Uh, Gives me like merchandise vibes. Another local Florida band from, I think, uh, Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. I copped their first release on vinyl, uh, Strange Songs in the Dark, at my local vinyl shop, Triangle Vinyl. Shout out to Triangle Vinyl and Justin and the whole crew in Claremont, Florida, if you're ever out this way swing by you will not regret it uh ask justin anything and he will he will give you an answer uh whether it's recommendations or uh you know if i like this band will i like this band um what's this um little matrix thing me he has all the answers to everything so go check it out Triangle Vinyl, Claremont, Florida. I copped this, long story short, I copped this merchandise vinyl, which 
favorite vinyl, by the way. Definitely top three in my collection, but... And for 10 bucks, is that... Why, are they insane? Long story short, I copped this uh, vinyl and listening to the early, like, Sad, Sad Halen Joywise recordings gave me mad merchandise vibes. So, check out Sad Halen. Check out merchandise, too, while you're at it. Um... <laughs> Buckle up for this show. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, it's a bit long. But these guys are absolutely a delight. So follow them on social media. I know they're working on some new tracks. I think they were aiming to put out a new release, like a full-length project uh, this year, 2021, which I'm super hyped for. I liked the singles that they released after Friends. They released a string of singles, uh, the anthemic uh, Elmira, um, and then back to like their roots with the noisy uh, Gundam and Buffy and Pizza, I believe. There's a, there's a couple other ones. There's uh, another like double release that they put out. All the things you'll see got sort of like some more friends vibes if you listen to friends and want more go check out all the things you will see it's fun stuff i like singles because it gives bands and artists like a chance to experiment with like new sounds and techniques and things that they wouldn't try on like a full-length project or that wouldn't necessarily fit into the tone or the overall like concept you know of the the record so go check out those singles they're on Bandcamp, by the way, the Sad Halen Bandcamp. Uh, I don't think they're on streaming platforms. I checked Apple Music, but Friends is on Apple Music and all streaming platforms, so go listen to it. Um, hope you like the show. This is Sad Halen for the fifth episode of Can You Call It Quee. Enjoy. I'm Andrew Kohenka, and I'm here with Sad Halen. Uh, who are you? I'm Sarah Shoemaker, and I play bass in Sad Halen. I'm Ben. I play the drums. I'm Ziggy, and I, I sing and play guitar in Sad Halen. Ben, Ziggy, and Sarah. I'm so glad to be here. I've read a lot about you guys. You guys are pretty freaking crazy. Um <laughs> Yes. Um, the first thing that I got to get out of the way is uh, the wall of amps. Just the amount, like, just kind of like how much of a gearhead you are yeah. is almost intimidating. Like, it's, <laughs> just I'm say the word. I'm a very big, I'm a, I'm a pretty big nerd. Um, I really love uh, stoner rock. I have a, an infatuation with like old rock and roll, heavy metal, uh, heavy metal, like the cartoon, the idea of uh, 70s rock. And I'm immensely in love with like the uh, the Seattle grunge scene and also stuff that came out of the the underground area of Seattle, um, like bands like Unwound, bands like Tad. But also, I just I love like huge, huge, big amps, um, stuff that like Mac Pike would use, or you know things like that. You know, just kind of like muscle car uh, gearhead ideology, but towards amps. 
That's dope to hear. It's interesting you point out Unwound. Like, it's almost weird. Like, I just started listening to them, like, about a month ago. Like, Repetition, Repetition is insane. I love the production on it. Um, but, yeah, it's... I've I've been listening to your guys' Friends EP a lot and, like, your early SoundCloud recordings. And they're both very different sounds. Um, Friends is a little bit cleaner. Um than your SoundCloud recordings with Joywise. So I kind of wanted to get into that real quick. Were you guys part of Joywise? I know there was a lineup change, no? Yeah, we're we're like the newest iteration of Sad Halen and Joywise was like the foundation, like the 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 birth of what would be. So that was all all Ziggy in the beginning. Yeah, uh we really joined what, two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before that, it's pretty much all Ziggy. And you want to tell that story? Okay, yeah. So there is this guy named Chris Wood uh, who plays in a few different uh, indie projects. Uh, he had a group called Night Watchers, uh, Lonely Island. Uh, but that was already a band name that was taken. Um, <laughs> like he, he had it. Well, I don't know. He discovered it a little bit later, you know. But um, he had like all these different ideas. And uh, we were both... This is like 2008, 2009. Um, we were extremely into the Ravenettes. We had a friend who was in uh, some bigger bands and we were like, well, let's make a record. So we started recording. I was doing like some really dumb, uh, like like uh, trying to do a production company with like kids who were DJs, like a few years later after that. And eventually we started working on a record and that was like about 2010, um, 2011. And we kind of started working out Upstate, which was basically a record kind of based upon like the idea of living in Corning, New York. Uh, Chris at the time, he was working at a uh, like a, a IT company and I was working like a bunch of weird uh, cooking gigs. And we were just trying to make like a lo-fi album that was listenable, but also kind of creative in a way that was also like a uh, like a, like a DJ album. There's like parts in um, uh, some of our songs off of Upstate where everything just breaks away and it's really messy. And then there's like birds chirping, which was actually my alarm to, to get up in the morning. Yeah. So we, we kind of put that in. And then we started getting really into like lo-fi equipment. So we bought these Sony mini disc boards, which are actually behind you. And uh, just getting into like home studio lo-fi recording but trying to be bring the most fidelity out of it and uh so we both end up moving to north carolina working on the project we buy a bunch of vintage amps and then uh unfortunately for chris he had a job change and he had to leave north carolina so i hung out in north carolina for about a year to raise enough money and then we found each other again and we we went to florida and then we just banged out an ep within like two months and then that was upstate under Joywise. And then, you know, Chris have, uh, sadly had to move again, you know, just for work, you know. Everyone, everyone's got to pay bills, you know. And uh, and then I found these guys. So I kind of picked up off of like some old material I had from that project and that became friends. Then we met, uh, we met a gentleman named Bob Hirschberger, extremely smart, talented, um, it's worked with plenty of people and it's a lot cleaner more put together um it was very i imagine very frustrating and hard for him to work on because we were such a fresh band at the time we weren't 
you know, we were all just learning new stuff. Like we basically, how I met Sarah was I was doing flyers for, uh, for shows I go to at the time. And then out of nowhere on a couch, on this couch, we were like, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll just, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll join your band. So then, um, yeah, I started teaching her base to like manage your art. You were, you were like, you know, like help me get my art into places. And then you were like, I'm also like looking for people to be in my band. I need a bassist and a drummer and another guitarist. You're basically saying like, it's just me. I mean, <laughs> and I was like, why don't I learn one of those yeah. things? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she was an extremely quick learner and she picked it up very fast. She didn't have her own equipment at the time. And then, you know, she got this bass next to me donated to her. And then like, you know, I threw some equipment at her, you know, to get her started. And then she just kind of like started sculpting her own ideas, kind of in suit of what we're doing, you know, cause it's the influence around her with her own influences. And she's come really far. And then I met Ben. And when I first met Ben, I was extremely intimidated because I heard these early recordings they did with other bands. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's like really good. <laughs> ah, shit, like he's really good. And when he came over for the first jam, he set up his kit and was like this, um, what kit do you play? Yamaha. It's a Yamaha Oak Custom. So it's a nice kit. I treated myself for sure. So go on. Yeah. Treat it like you designed some of the drum heads, or no, no, I just I treated myself like I, oh, I spent some money on it. It's like it's like a Cadillac of, <laughs> yeah. of kits, and because uh, it, it's made of oak, it's supposed to be a, like especially loud. Yeah, it's it's at the time it was like the loudest production kit, just because I was playing in a band, had a big sound, and we didn't play in places that mic the drums a lot, so it, I just needed to I needed to project. And so I bought that kit. And it's been good to me. I've had it like 11 years, but that was a good, a good meeting. Kind of like follow up the whole idea of him being in a band that was really loud. That, that information I found out later after we jammed, after a bunch of like sweaty guitar riffs and being super nervous, like on a first date with someone. <laughs> um, that is adorable, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He, he's very good. He's very good. So like, um, but that connected with me, like the idea of being loud because when Chris and I started the band, we were just like, we both got really into like stoner rock and doom metal and stuff like that. But, you know, we wanted to play these poppy uh, like riffs and like these shoegazer riffs, but through those tones and that loudness and that, that warm vintage sound. So that connected with me where I was just like, well, I love like fucking like scary towers and this dude already plays loud. So like, that's great, you know? But like eventually later, you know, I don't own a van right now, so there are some limitations. Like, you can't move a wall of sound without a van. <laughs> so yeah. we have cute little little vintage amps over like that that we use. To, to shows, yeah, over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that little stack over there is Sarah's amp, and it's a, uh, it's a ripoff of a Japanese company, uh, Univox. It's, it's a copy of a copy, basically. And it, it sounds really great. Every time she plays out, She's constantly harassed by bass nerds. We're like, oh, what's, what's your amp? Yeah. What, what yeah. is that about? And, and I have no idea. And I'm just like Ziggy. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, I know now, but in the beginning, I didn't know because I was so new to just playing bass and music in general. So 
I was like, man, uh, I don't know, but it sounds good, right? Like we're all, we can be all be on that level together. <laughs> it's funny too. So. What's funny about it too is like when we have, um, when we play shows with people and we have to let them use their gear, the, the, some of the bass players, they see it, they question it, but every time they play through it, they're like excited. They're like, what was that? And then I personally get excited because it's, it's cool to see different styles go through something the way it sounds. So it's just like, everyone's like, dude, don't worry. I won't blow it. I was like, there's no way you're going to blow that amp. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's not going to happen, you know, but it's, it's very, you know, exciting just to see other people use the gear and then, you know, get kind of turned on by like this uh, equipment that has like some weird voodoo in it, you know. That amp stays cranked up all the time, right? It only, the way we use it is we have the volume all the way up and the tone all the way up. There's only yeah. two knobs and it's it has- maxed all the time. <laughs> it's, it's dimed every show, every show. And that's the only way, that's really the only way that amp will punch through though, is it has to be dimed out. Yeah, and it's, it's just noisy. And it makes Sarah sound like she three, she's three bass players. So it's, it's great. That's insane. So you use that rig for the recording of Friends, correct? Or you were going through a different stack? No, we were going through a different stack at Bob's place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the time, we were using like a, uh, it was like a, a orange tiny terror thing going through like a uh, 8 by 10 Ampeg that was like super beat up. It was, it was a very, very cool bass stack. And then it was kind of like bled out in different ways. Um, but yeah, he, he had his like own, his own critiques, his own thing going on that yeah. he, cause he has like so much, uh, knowledge, excuse me, Bush burps. <laughs> um, but he has so much knowledge of like gear and, and different things that you can use in problem solving for things that he, he kind of like, he came out and he saw our band a few times and he kind of like gathered like an idea of what he wanted to do. And he made like a fantastic EP. A lot of people like it. Um, a few friends that I have from uh, upstate New York reached out to me about it and how much they love it. So it's kind of like, it's um, it's really nice. And it's nice to have that, that reinforcement of what you're doing is good, you know. Going back to those early recording though on sound, like that you have on SoundCloud. I wasn't able to find them anywhere else, but um, Joywise and Upstate, the recording approach, you mentioned the mini disc behind me, um, the four track that you love dearly that I can tell. Uh, you always mention to like Google it, what's the appeal? Does it, give, does it give something different to the sound? Like when you record, did you enjoy recording more on that or did you enjoy the process more with friends maybe? Um, it was kind of like, it's divided, like with friends that was kind of like, that kind of felt like going away to a summer camp and learning like a whole galaxy of options and opportunities and ideas. And great analogy. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. I mean, I know it was my first time recording, so it definitely felt like summer camp. That's why yeah. I was just like, like everything is shining. Camp Hirschberger. Yes. Yeah, it was like Camp Hirschberger. There was like all these, it was really fun. Also, Bob has an amazing house that is really cool because he did the record out of his house. He has all this like extremely nice equipment and um, it, it really felt like uh, it felt like summer camp. And then also Bob is like a wizard himself and he has tons of stories with other bands that he's worked with. And so you, you get 
not only the experience of making this record, but you also get the experience of um, hearing these stories of other records he's worked on. And, and that's also inspiring in itself. So it's kind of like very storytelling in a way and like beautiful. While working on Upstate, that was kind of like, not like summer, summer camp, but it was more like us having a slumber party as like when you were younger and staying up all night, just trying to get this like passion project done. And I remember when we first started Upstate, me and Chris looked at each other. I think we got out of like Gringo's Locos or whatever. And I was just like, let's do two songs in two days. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, two songs, two days. It's like, you think we could do it? I was like, yeah, I think we could do it. And then we knocked out two songs in two days. And then we were like, why don't we make a whole EP? Like if we can do two songs in two days, and mind you, these days were like extremely long. It wasn't like we just like, it wasn't like two hours. Like we played like guitar. It was like, we stayed up all day. We got like extremely early and then we stayed up all night. And then we got extremely early again and stayed up all night just to get these songs out and done. And then we, we threw them onto SoundCloud. And I think we tried to rip them onto YouTube as well. But that when you said it, when you said, oh, yeah, we can do it in two days. Or were you like, oh, fuck, I don't know. Like, did you, did you really think you could? Yeah, I really thought we could do it. I really believed we could do it. Like, I knew we would have to, like, spend a lot of time and get up really early to do it. But, like, I knew we could do it in my heart, you know. And then the rest of that EP was recorded in uh, Mount Dora. And Chris had a little studio set up in his bedroom using the mini disc. And then we used, like, some condenser mics. We used... Uh, we had like some tube preamps that were extremely old. I can't remember what they were called. And uh, we all bled them into this uh, Sony mini disc. And I, I think the reason why I liked it so much was I was watching a ton of 90s anime and the, the boards from the 90s and the font of the board and just the, the actual, the aesthetic. the aesthetic of it was very inspiring to me. Like the way it looked kind of fed into the idea of how I was gonna approach the music. And it kind of shows, you know, like, it's very noisy. It's very, like, I'm inexperienced and I'm trying to figure out how to do everything, you know. But I, you know, it was it was actually very exciting to make. And, like, I learned a lot about what I could do and what I can't do now. So it's like, uh, that was an extremely fun record to do. And with Friends, it was kind of more like someone else had to think it. Like, um, I just got to be a guy with friends making the music and playing the chords. And then someone else got had the problem solve all the things I had to deal with when I was making Upstate. Yeah. That's the really interesting insight into the process. Just yeah. being able to remove yourself from the almost technical side of things and just being more focused on the creative side of things, making sure that the material is good and whatnot. Um, I'm surrounded by by gear, like I said, you're an intimidating gearhead. Uh, how does that play into your sound? I noticed like when you play live, you just are surrounded by pedals. Like you have like three pedal racks and uh, yeah. So that's kind of like, uh, now I've kind of like shrunken things a little bit, but starting out, like I put together like a rack. Uh, well, not, not like a rack, but like I had these two pedal boards, like one Chris made one I made when I was living in upstate New York, which is just basically a flat piece of wood. And uh, one was set up with a bunch of like different octaves and uh, EQing and, and preamp 
And then the other one was just like a mixture of like uh, fuzz pedals and reverbs and delays and then a, uh, a looper for atmospheric stuff in between songs. Um, Sarah also does spoken word poetry. So then I composed a song and then re-recorded it into the sampler so we could play that live. You know, that whole process is basically just about being able to provide as much color for a live show as possible you know it a lot of you know it's just kind of like uh it it makes it easier for us to kind of go straight by feel of the the tones and the texturing as opposed to just kind of like going straight and plugging in i used to be in uh like weird like uh punk bands growing up and where it was just straight in most of the time and that was very fun you know, it was a lot of energy and you kind of have to conjure all the energy within you, you know, to do that. And for me now, I'm because I'm a nerd, like it's just fun to have a bunch of like random stuff on the floor that like I like, you know, and just surrounding. It's just kind of like uh, just surrounding myself with things that make me comfortable is where, where the pedals come into play. It creates an atmosphere, you know, yeah. adds texture. So you don't have to constantly fill the space with banging out noise. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it fills us out a bit more. We did start it out as like four people, so we did have like another guitarist, but um, that person had like another project. And so I think like we were, you know, I mean, you already had all your pedals, but like how else can we fill this space? And I think we sound just as full, like in a different way. That's pretty rad. I think the solution was we were just like, yeah, we'll just give Sarah a big muff. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, Stop I was it. like, what is this? <laughs> this is incredible. And that, that kind of like, well, I've always loved that pedal. I've loved that pedal since I was like, you know, I heard about when I was like, you know, 15 or 14. And I, I, I think I found out that uh, like Mud Honey used it. And then I found out about the Smashing Pumpkins later when I was like 16 or 17. And I was just like, okay, the muff thing. Like, oh my God. And then, you know, we gave it to Sarah and then she played it after uh, that guitar player left and we're like, oh, damn. Oh, shit. We don't. Oh, okay. This is Sad Halen. <laughs> we're yeah. like, okay. And everything changed. And it was just like, it was like very freeing in, in that way too. Like we didn't have to like worry about arrangements as much, you know? So it was very cool. I have two words. The hog. Oh, <laughs> a very sought after pedal from what I can tell. What is what's the appeal to you? Like, what is it like? What's so crazy about it? So before I met these guys, before I was doing stuff with Chris, I was obsessed with trying to make a guitar sound like a synthesizer. And and that kind of comes all back to like the fuzz thing and like texturing uh, as a guitar player and the manipulating of a guitar and basically not not traditionally playing like yeah like i used to be in like some really thrashy dirty like punk blues bands like two-piece band like basically like you get like a dirt pedal into an amp hollow by a guitar drummer that's it and i was like obsessed with that and we would use like uh i used like a jcm 800 going into like there's an old pv cab over there that i used to use and that's what we play that through and it was just straight up you know, rock and roll stuff. I did slide guitar. But at some point when I was getting older, I was like, well, that's kind of like, oh, this is fun, but like I'm bored as shit. Like I need something, I need more. 
And then, like, the Pog came out. And then, couldn't afford a Pog. I was too broke. I was only making, like, I was working this uh, retirement home when I was, like, 18, 19. I was only making, like, 180 bucks a week. And then I upgraded when I moved to Corning and I met Chris and I was making, like, 200 and something. I still couldn't afford anything. And then eventually, you know, this idea of being able to do, like, synthesizer stuff came came into it. And then, actually, uh, the love of my life, she gave me a hog and i freaked the fuck and out that's when you knew she was the love of your <laughs> yeah, life that's yeah. when you knew yeah. <laughs> it was just like instant and then so with that pedal there's there's endless possibilities and what i mainly use it for is like i use it for like weird octave ups um on records well this upcoming record you'll probably hear it more along with like rainbow machine stuff and like a bunch of other different things but um the, the main purpose of that like pedal is just to have like you can do chords and weird octaves. There's like a freeze function on it. There's like filters and you can run it with anything. Like I'm not just going to use it on a guitar. I'm going to use it on other things as well. You know, so a lot to look forward to. So do the, the pedals influence like the songwriting process? Is that like a very big influence or like when you go into the recording studio, is it less about the pedals and more about the song structure, more about the chord structures and the progressions uh, versus live where you're trying to get those textures and you're trying to fill out the sound. Is it different? Does it, it, what's the trade off when you record versus playing live? So uh, writing, I basically start unplugged. It's usually like me and an electric guitar and I'm watching cartoons or something on the TV, uh, mostly on this couch or in my bed. And then, like, I just mess with tunings. Most of them are open tunings. And then I just kind of whittle through a song and I find, like, a I find, like, a structure and I put it together. And then it goes into a different phase where it's, like, I come out here and then usually I'll start with, like, a pedal. And then other things come in the key once the band comes in, you know. So that, that's kind of, like, that's, uh like, the process, like, shortened. You know, there's also, like, imagery stuff. It's kind of like if I see a place, you know, it'll make me think of a thing. And then, like, you know, that goes to, like, playing Unplugged. Uh, all the songs are written on Unplugged Electrics. That's very cool. So the songwriting process, like, since Joywise, since Friends, uh, going into this new record, are you guys working on recording a new album soon or an EP? Like, what's the new songwriting process and how has that affected new tracks and the process so we're actually working on a new album coming out soon it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of split up a little bit we're gonna try to record a single uh with danger room and work with them for a little bit and uh the main i think we're gonna probably drop like an ep first and then expand onto a record with that ep like a follow-up record to it and that's probably going to be done here and then also in Ben's house and uh, it's kind of going to be like shifting equipment back and forth um, I've been looking up in a lot of different weird drum miking techniques uh, a lot of things that have held me back in the past was I didn't have a drummer I didn't have I have an acoustic kit but that acoustic kit's actually in New York it's like an old Ludwig um, sounds like crap but um that's a whole different story but i mainly i just haven't had an acoustic drum kit with it and then a drummer that actually play a kit well because like i can play drums but i can't play drums like ben ben's extremely good he's very good at accenting and feel and so 
now I have that. So now it's like I have to have this whole new learning curve of like, how am I going to make this drum kit? How am I going to make this drum kit sound different from everyone else who, how they do drums, you know? Um, so like, that's kind of like, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Any input on the, like, how's the writing process like been for you two? Like being on the, the rhythm section, being on bass and drums? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Friends was my first like intro into bass at all. So kind of like fucking around on my own and like learning just about our sound and music in general. Like I've been able to like bring, bring in like my own bass lines and I'll be like, singing up back up on this album which is really exciting because i did like spoken word before but we're kind of like each finding our voices in in each way so i think like friends was like a jump from joy wise where it's like that was like us completing that like and getting closure on all those songs and this is like this is like us three like, like it is all of our heads together like in this practice practice space or like you know ziggy being like okay i brought this and i'm like i brought this and then we just kind of feel it out from there so that's really exciting yeah i don't have a lot to add to that it's just really ziggy brings a riff or a couple riffs to string together and then we just hammer it out and it's it's a very natural process it's just like it feels right and this is what we feel like we should be playing so that there's not a lot of second guessing or anything like that which it's one of the rare things in my life <laughs> that i don't second guess yeah we we come into this space and and it's all pretty clear i feel like out what was written like you guys were jamming something and then i came in and i started like singing that i just want to go outside with my head off and then we were like <laughs> we're like this is a song that's the chorus like <laughs> so out out is actually uh that's one of the songs that's going to be on the newer record that uh, we're putting out one of the the, the ep that we're working on so we're kind of trying to put a closure to uh a time before that and a time and a current time now and then move forward and progress into something else so we got these five songs we got some we got three new ones to throw in there on top of out and uh, the song Granny Smith. And after that, we're gonna actually try to work on a full length record, um, which will probably have a bunch of different tricks that we usually don't participate in, but will be very exciting for all of us, you know. Sounds super exciting. I caught, I didn't catch the live stream live, but I saw that you guys posted it and I caught the titles out in Granny Smith. It was very tight. Um, the rhythm section, was phenomenal you guys just were holding it down um i noticed that you were going back to the four track maybe to work on the ep like you said in the home space mm -hmm. um you also mentioned like soundscapes and stuff like that so are you guys trying to experiment more with ambience maybe incorporating the spoken word in which i know you do um it, what's is there going to be more of that as opposed to less aggressive maybe grungy maybe uh, uh, punky kind of riffs and stuff like that. So I'm very obsessed with like cinematic sounds. Um, art. I really love the idea of having these beautiful songs, you know, like these heavy aggressive songs that are like stories themselves. But then when they end the in-between space, you know, 
so the in-between space is kind of like going to be like these cinematic like soundscapes that um chris and i would always work on we would stay up very late together and just basically make noises different noises and manipulate them and it would include like synthesizers like really bad ones like the casios that you would get as a kid in like 1983 you know i have a few of those and and just like very cartoony sounds um you know and then smash them through a bunch of different effects and pedals and, and things like that to make these uh ambient almost like uh pseudo brian eno like tones like i have like a whole catalog of like different samples from different artists and and different things like when i was very into like vaporwave music that are all smashed out and uh like chop and screw music and stuff like that that i want to incorporate for those in-between times but i don't know if we're going to be able to pull it off of this ep currently because we are going to work with another engineer for like a little bit you know and uh but the record like when we move on to like a full length that will definitely be there speaking of vaporwave um <laughs> you're gonna talk about saint pepsi because i love me some saint pepsi i know it's future funk but don't get me started <laughs> with the straw in the mask please please don't get me started on that like i love that stuff so much like everything about it the aesthetic uh how dirty it is unnecessarily dirty it is yeah. you know and it's just borrowed music the entire time like yeah i love that stuff it's great it's kind of how sad hailing the name came about in a way um there's a whole story about sad hailing but there's definitely when the name came to be i was just like yeah it's kind of like vaporwave that'd be like a vaporwave like a producer name right there sad hailing and kind of has like the aesthetic you know established you know so yeah, I love that, that stuff. Makes so much sense now that you say. That. Yeah, it's it's in my wheelhouse. Like I love it. Like the pink, the blue. You know, it's it's definitely in there. <laughs> Your shirt flavors, though, one of them was titled Vaporwave. If that was official or not, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but that was yeah, that was definitely like that was an index clue where it was just like yeah, I fuck with this shit very hard. Yeah, do you want one? You know. Because I felt like with uh, the way we were doing the shirts, that was kind of like giving away our influences in a way yeah. too, where people could connect to them. You know, it's like, well, we like this stuff. Well, we also like this stuff. We also love really trashy beers. Yeah, yeah. The, the Natter Day, the dark green, the little grungy, that's Seattle. Yeah, like, yeah. Metal, yeah. The stoner metal, the green and black. Yes. <laughs> so stoner metal versus vaporwave. If they were like physical incarnations, mage, barbarian, Godzilla, whatever the hell you want to call it, what would they be? And like, if they were to happen to bump into, into each other on the street, what would be the outcome of a street fight? Oh yeah, who are you guys betting on? Okay, Ooh. stoner metal is going to be a dwarf. <laughs> yeah, I can see that like a gnarly fucking mean dwarf, but he would have like some stuff behind him too, you know, like so maybe like weird catapults where where vaporwave would be kind of like like a, a mall, just like a if a mall could be a, a thing attacking something like a whole mall like a strip like, mall like a, no not a strip mall like a whole big industrial mall of america type thing you know very uh like uh 
you know, like 90s gap. And, uh, wow. And it'll probably be wearing a Komodo as well, too. It'd be like dressed in Japan flavors, you know, I imagine. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of a fair fight. You know, you have dwarfy, woodsy, catapult launching, mystical forest thing covered in weed leaves versus 1980s and 90s Taco Bell mall food court as a transformer i imagine yeah maybe maybe this is like too stereotypical but i I, i'm gonna go with vaporwave here just because i feel like it's it's gonna be scrappier you know stoner metal is gonna show up with like so much machismo that it's it's gonna already think that it's one like like when it's coming with the wall of amps but then you know when you you're gonna throw in your rainbow machine and like you're, it's like the fairies in A Midsummer's Night Dream. They're just gonna put you to sleep. You know, yeah. you're you're done. <laughs> and Vaporwave has the whole 1980s and, and partial, like maybe to the mid 90s behind it. So, yeah, I I think you're right, sir. I think yeah, I think it's gonna it, be Vaporwave it has that would win. And culture, yeah, like, yeah. Of the 80s, but the culture of the 90s. <laughs> I think the warrior embodiment of Vaporwave would be a neon samurai. A neon samurai. Oh my God, Ben. Yeah. Plasma katana. And yeah. Just like, Oh, is yeah, this I everyone so. trying to tell me to watch Kill Bill because I haven't seen it yet? You haven't seen Kill Bill? No, I haven't. <laughs> Regardless of how yeah. you feel about Tarantino. I, I put that on our Just, story uh, the other night. <laughs> can I walk away? Does anyone need like a refill or anything? Or? I, I do. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let me. Uh, it's cigar, do you need anything? Do you need a bush? Do I'll you, take a bush. Okay, I'll get you a bush. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take the straw. I like that oh, aesthetic. Yeah, that was yeah. dope. Bush. So, what is the infatuation with Bush? I it's the official. It's cheap and it's yeah. not bad. Like that's it for me. I, honestly, I, I think it happened either we were playing a show at Will's on a Monday, or we were watching like a show of our friends. I know that like Angelica's band, Kinky Prawn from like Titusville, they played on a Monday, and we normally get like PBRs when you get your drink tickets, but they're like, it's $1 bush. And I'm like, well, I don't know what bush is, but it's $1. Yeah. And so we got it. And I was like, this isn't Coors Light, but it tastes like, what is it? Um, it's this is the Appalachians instead of the Rockies, like with Coors Light. I was like, this is the Appalachian mountains. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what, that's what bush is. It's the water from, from Appalachia. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I personally like Bush better than Coors. Yeah, oh, definitely. You have a favorite, like, preference of, like, mountain range? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been in the in the Smokies. That's the only mountain range I I've really been in. I haven't in. been in the Smokies. I'm I'm from Pennsylvania as well, so I feel like I'm I'm partial to the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, go to North Carolina, man. Yeah. I recommend that for I, sure. Go I know. I feel like okay, I'm... so this is for you. Dope, thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. <laughs> Um, hold on, I have a surprise. Oh, God. Oh, hey, oh my gosh. We also love champagne. So it's like kind of like tequila, champagne, and bush. Uh, my personal infatuation with bush is, uh, well, I grew up in upstate New York, and it's very woodsy, and I grew up in a small town called Horseheads, and I lived there. I didn't think that was real when you told me that. Like I Googled it and I was like, sure is Chamonga County. Yep, Chamonga, <laughs> good old Chamonga County. And um, so I grew up there, but 
it's weird. You're either kind of like this pseudo Canadian guy or like you're a pseudo Southerner. There are kids who live out there who have Southern accents. Um, but I left Horseheads and I moved into this town called Pine Valley, which literally, if you blink, you will pass it, right? So kids out there are just savage. They party in the woods. They go crazy. They drink Natty Light and Bush. So for me, it's kind of like an homage to like some weird like kid drinking in the woods thing. But also the real reason why I actually like Bush so much was I was hanging out with this band called Mars Wagon and uh, they had a different name at the time and I was playing bass for them. And uh, the lead guitar player in it and also lead songwriter he, I think he's like an alcohol rep or something, but somehow he got a hold of like a whole suitcase, which is a 24 rack of Bush. And so we, we plowed through this whole suitcase of fucking Bush light together. And then we woke up the next day with no hangovers. And then we went to go record on this record. So then after that, I was like, okay, so it's Bush light. That's what I can drink way too much of if I get irresponsible yeah, and not it's feel It's like flavored crap. water. Yeah, it really is. But we were fine the next day. Yeah. We got to definitely to a point, though, where we were listening to, like, uh, Rolling Stones records that aren't very good. <laughs> Whoa, very smooth. Let me get some cups. Yeah. So from all the way up to New York to the drink tickets recently, just having to get Bush, it has become the official sports drink of Sad Halen. Is that accurate? I believe that is extremely accurate. It, it was kind of a joke at the time, but it's accurate. Like, the, I like good beer. I like IPAs. I like, you know, Kolsch's. I like a good flavorful beer. But if I'm just hanging out all day, Bush is what I go for. Yeah, it's a very good day drinking beer. Or just a good show beer. Because I'm I'm so nervous. I'm like in the alley behind Will's like doing high kicks and like calling my mom before a show. And so, and so it's like, I... I can't like have anything that's gonna. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> make me. We actually had knobs made. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. I noticed the little like pedal and amp knobs. Yeah. Of you want me to grab them for you? Cause I I just reorganized the whole space for the record that we're working on. Would you it, like to see them? Oh, I'd love to see them in person. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god. I'll, I'll thank grab, you. grab them. The little baby bushies. Oh, little baby yeah. bushies. It's blocking the whole camera. Nah, dude, fine. the camera's fine. <laughs> you know, I was trying to be like really conscious of other people that we work with, so. Oh, excuse our over uh, forwardness with politeness. But yeah, so there's a company out of Scotland that I can't pronounce. Um, it's on the box if you want to read it out loud. Wait, can you, uh, can you give us like an attempt? Yeah. Um... Gorgira FX? It sounds like some sort of Godzilla. Uh, I think it literally says Gojira. Yeah, Gojira. Okay. I don't know if I got it right. I'm very like... Yeah, Gojira. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, grew up with a speech impediment, so I get a little worried sometimes. <laughs> You're, good. Um, You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. <laughs> I'm not. There we have. Um had these made for us usually he does uh, so cool. he does like simpsons themed things uh -huh. and uh futurama themed things so usually uh the thing that kind of turned me on to it was like uh, he had kansas slurm i don't know if you're familiar yes. with oh, with yeah. futurama love that show um and i was like well if he could do slurm maybe i should hit him up I'd just be like hey can you do bush 
And I just thought it would be funny. And I got done watching, like, the whole thing that kind of inspired that, which is, it's going to sound silly. I was watching a ZZ Top documentary, and they were talking about the time when they became um, these guys, like, like as a band, and they figured out, like, uh, like their shtick, you know? And uh, not like as, like, a, like, an acting thing, but just kind of like as, like, a bondment of the characters that they are and how great of a band they are. And it was, like, their beards or something. And they became these like cartoon versions of themselves or whatever. And I was like, well, how can we like do something that's like like an inside joke for us that's inspirational? And it's kind of like, you know, it's funny and people can like, you know, dig on it. And I was just like, yeah, we'll make a bunch of bush knobs. That'd be like dumb. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be dumb. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even when I look down on my big muff and it's all it's, it's all the bush tabs turned all the way up. Like, you know, sometimes it has to be a little like inside out character work like even if it's just for you that's gonna make you play or perform or just like feel better at like as an artist because <laughs> i feel like you want to make you want to make like a little like a little nest up there when you get on the stage and i, th I feel like we've gotten better at that as the years have gone by and we've gotten more comfortable and gotten to know the local venues and stuff where uh now that we we're kind of like just going straight forward into doing our own thing and doing whatever we want, not, um, you know, catering or anything, which we never really did, but, you know, it's just, now we're more comfortable and it's easier for us to be less shy about stuff, you know? So having these like bush knob inside joke things and, and the, the idea of like, we love this redneck beer because we're like these weird redneck punk rockers, you know, I kind of like that, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's just something that we can tie into our roots, but also bring forward, you know? Yeah. And also get sponsorship money from it. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to look Bush? good. <laughs> Bush. Hey, can you guys, uh, dear Bush, please bring us free Bush. Uh, much love, Sad Halen. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Bush, it's the official like sports drinks so you have to sponsor them i think yeah. i think we're sweat we, we sweat bush like it it is my electrolyte my only <laughs> my only electrolyte intake of the day it literally powers you yes um i had a couple questions for you regarding your um your poetry and stuff like that your spoken sure. word um so Orange Blossom, the video, opens with like a 74 second snippet of you performing spoken word, correct? Yes. Um, w w I like some of the lines in there. Um, what was the inspiration for that? And like, where did that come from? Wow, that was something I had in the notes of my phone. I r remember it was you and Nick and I, who used to be the other guitarist, and he's in Grizzly Adams, also a great band, and Saucers Over Washington. Saucers Over Washington. Saucers over Washington. Get that. Fucks. Yeah. He actually fixed up uh, Nick. He fixed up uh, my old son head that I bought. When you came to Florida, right? I foolishly bought that amp. I did not have enough money to buy that. It was a very <laughs> dumb purchase. And uh, I slept on a floor for quite a while because of that, but it was worth it. Anyways, Sarah was saying. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to use just like an intro or beginning. And so I scrolled through my phone of all these notes that I have of just like 
poems or just like little quips that I've written down. And I was like, this feels solid. And that was like three years ago. And I have never changed it since, surprisingly, because I feel like a lot of the things you write, you know, you kind of like, oh, it's a rough draft, it's a rough draft. But like, it really always felt as powerful, like, as it did as the first time that I said it. And I don't think that I realized until I performed it live that it was like about a lot of like obsessive behaviors that I have seen in my past in like my family and also in myself. Like, you know, a lot of the lines are like the one, two, three, or just like a lot of these things that, like when I wrote it, I didn't think about that. I just wrote it, it just sounded good. But you know, it's not until you like put a mirror to yourself that you're like, oh, that's, that's like what, right. Like I, like I wrote that because that's, that's about me. That's about my family. Yeah. The line that particularly stood out to me was grapes, grapes in the fridge next to the celery they have their place, they don't commingle, something like that. I'm butchering it, but I loved yeah, it. What, no, what? You're, you got it, wow, you're, you're so awesome. Um, yeah, the grapes have their place next to the celery in the fridge, they're not to commingle. Like, and I think that I, like I said, I didn't realize that about how much control I, I was begging for and shouting for in my life that you know, when you, even when like you have your meals, like thing, things don't touch or you need your order. And so that's how I just wanted my life to be, or I want my life to be, is that you want to have this huge sense of control. And it's not until you get to the end where, you know, you realize that even like something by its name is not really that thing that's just a name you know like you like when the poem starts that everything you want to be in order you can call it whatever you want but that may not be what it is and i think that when i heard orange blossom and that that was going to be in front of it it fit so fucking perfectly i was like this is how this poem sounds to me like I know I'm speaking it and there are sounds, but like, this is how it just feels through every bone of my body. I kind of, I borrowed an idea for that. There's this band called The Drop 19s, and I believe it's the song Iowa. And I, I might be wrong, might be very wrong. But in the middle of that, towards the end, there's this part where it's just, there's just a spoken word and they're kind of just doing like, you know, their shoegazy thing under it. And I was just like, well, shit, you know, I have this, have this person who could do spoken word, she could perform, she's very good. Why don't we try to like make that a thing? And then we made it a thing. And um, it was cool to be able to pull that reference and use that as a resource to like make it like happen. So it was, it was you know, like she facilitated the whole idea, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think there are new ways that it feels every single time that I do it, which is exciting. Like we did one show at Uncle Lou's. I don't, even, I don't know if y'all remember this. It wasn't when my foot was propped up, but mm -hmm. I, I read a different really poem. Good show. I, I read, yeah. It, 
I read a different poem and because I was like, oh, people already know this one or it feels stale and it definitely felt wrong. Like that poem it, like is Orange Blossom and I feel like every time that I do it, like sometimes I want to shout, sometimes I want to cry. You know, you like discover new things within it and then what follows with Orange Blossom is also different every time, so. So I was wondering like, were you playing in other bands before this or were you doing spoken word? Were you performing that stuff and keeping notes on your phone regularly? Like what were you doing before Satellite? I was just keeping notes on my phone, trying to write songs for my friends' bands. Like I played the clarinet for 12 years and I can like read music, but it didn't bring me any closer to like writing any of my own music. And so I just thought I was gonna be like a spoken word artist. Like I've been to Austin's once and then like I did my shit and I left. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. This is so terrifying. Um, and I kept trying to like send my stuff to other friends and be like, this is a great song. This is a great chorus. This is like, you know, these are lyrics. And they were like, okay, but like, what, what are the riffs? What are the melody? Like, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I was like, can't you write it the other way? And, and all this stuff. And it never worked out like that at all. So I was just wanting to I don't know, maybe I accidentally like manifested this. I always have wanted to like play in a band and perform music. I like always did theater growing up. So that's why I'm super comfortable doing spoken word and all that um, jazz. But <laughs> yeah, I have always wanted to like write my own songs and like kind of getting the confidence from y'all and- Oh, we love you, man. <laughs> yeah. Amazing quite talented and also the great thing about having sarah in the band um she is very articulate with words and she's very good at feeding you ideas and for me i kind of approach things kind of as a person who like raps like who does like freestyle mm -hmm. for like lyrics like if like a lot of my stuff like rhymes in some way and that's just because like I have like I do have a love for like hip hop and things like that. So her poetry, the way it's like very confident with like the words that she uses are great, beautiful jump points and also really great inspiration fuel. You know, she's kind of like kindling to a fire. Like I'll be like, well, here, I got this line. What do you think of that? And then she's like oh shit, that's great. And then she'll like throw a line back. I'm like, okay, that's fucking really great. And then I throw one back at her and then she's like, oh shit. And then we just keep doing that. And then we get stoked on the energy. And before we know it, we actually have a whole song written, you know? So that's, that's really lovely to like to have that partnership with someone, you know, as like an artist, you know? Yeah, like I've, I've never met people who have like, like everyone else was like, well, call me when you pick up a guitar or like get an acoustic and learn how to write it and then bring it to me. And here it's just like, okay, I have some words, you know, or so you'd be like, I have this riff, do you have words? And I was like, fuck yeah, I have words. Like I have, <laughs> I have so many words, you know? And so I've like just never met a group that we've all just like coalesced so much and like have made me feel so confident to, to share that side. Yeah, I feel it too. Like we have this chemistry where 
there's no bad ideas. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it like we literally just create together as one. It's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that. You know, where even if like the stuff that I remember like um while we were writing, like uh, Sarah started picking up and uh, just writing riffs on her own and bringing riffs in at some point. And we we're like, okay, that's like three songs in one. But we took all of those and we split them up. And we're like, okay, we're going to make songs out of all of these now. You know, so it's like, it's just everyone kind of brings their own fuel. Like Ben sometimes will just like throw out a beat while he's warming up for a practice and I'll jam over it. And that, that becomes a song itself. You know, so it's it's a very it's a band that's really based on feel at this point where when it started out, it was very conceptual. It was very like, OK, this is like the method, like this is the method that we use. This is the engineering that goes behind it. This is the logistics of how it is. And now it's kind of become this thing where it's like I took a, I've taken all that knowledge of like how. They cover all the logistics of things and then all the method of things and then also use all the feel as well, you know, and um, on a side note, Chris is actually back in Florida. So we have like this hovering presence that will be helping us out with all future endeavors as well. So that, that's kind of exciting as well. So we have like we just have this all these resources of inspiration and fuel to to build fun songs and have fun, you know, because I feel like that's what you it should be about it's just we just want to make stuff and and be happy with that stuff and share it with people and then lift other people up as well of course so chris was part of joywise like way back when uh your new york days or north carolina days both both yeah um me and chris started working on stuff around i would say 2009 2010 it's kind of blurry when we actually first met up, I, I remember we jammed in the basement of a house in upstate when we first started doing things. Uh, the first song we ever worked on was called like From Another Room. Yep, yep. Beautiful stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like super, super slow divey sounding. And, and that's when him and I got obsessed with pedals as well and like the whole texturing thing and, and really discovering um, basically like our style of of making music and then that kind of helped me evolve into like working with these guys at some point as well like i could bring all these tools that i've gathered and now i have all these people that basically like i as well solely run on feel you know which is amazing and it's not common i've worked with like uh like i was talking about like the punk blues band that was more like uh the guy i was working with in that he came from a background that was very educated and very about like uh, kind of being traditional and, and solidarity in that tradition of how he played his drums and everything. So I would have to accommodate to that to like, you know, make those things happen and, and play different and um, basically work complete opposite of how this is. So this is all about just straight intuition, straight feel. If it sounds good, it feels right, then we're running with it. We're, we're not worried about the, the fidelity or if it's, um, you know, kind of sounds off. It's more about what does this emote to you? How does this appeal to you? How does this access you? 
what imagery does it bring up? You know, that's kind of like what we're trying to do now. Is he, you said he's around now. Is he going to be maybe rounding out the band, the band sound as maybe like a fourth guitar or like a second guitarist or was he? So he's not really going to, he's going to be more involved with kind of like behind the scenes work. Um, he's going to be helping out with like the engineering because he used to help me engineer my early records. Um, he's just kind of going to be like the cheerleader of the group. Like he's going to be bringing all, all the joy that, him and I, <laughs> him and I had uh, working on those early records, and then he's very excited about this. He's very excited to be here. So he's gonna kind of be that. He's always been this guy when when I was working with him, and we were doing those long extreme days where we would get to probably like you know take uh, twenty, and he'd be like, "Well, take twenty one sounds good, but hey, you know maybe just one more." You know, I'm the but, same way, but like in a really positive, like comforting way. And you would be stoked to hear that. You'd be like, yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, dude, it was awesome. Let's yeah, just try to do another be one. Better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's such a cheerleader. He's such like a good energy into a room, you know, and also he loves all the things that we love as well. When it, even from like movies to you know, inside jokes and also um, just music in general. He's like, you know, he's he's actually he's in those first songs that we wrote for for friends, you know, so like him and I actually wrote Big Sky Now together, you know, so and, uh, you know, little bits and pieces of Florida flannel. So it's kind of nice to have that guy in the background looming in a positive way. You know. in a positive way yeah. that's the name of the album <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's, that's 20 that's 2021 is looming in a positive looming way. in a positive <laughs> i think so uh, you know what a great what a side note great day you know to have an interview um yeah crazy positive vibes historic. going on right now yeah kind yeah, of a historic thing relief. yeah yeah it's over my question for you andrew is how do you feel about the situation? Are are you pretty stoked? You know, about life. Are we Joe, Joe Biden winning the presidential? Well, on life in general, you know. Right. I mean, not today. particular on Joe Biden. We're not all stoked on Joe. Yeah. You know, we're not. Yeah. But like, it's a step. You guys are Biden fans or um, Bernie fans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. I believe in some of the I'm, things that he does. I'm. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 2024 fan. Okay. That's that's where I'm at. That's a very popular camp right now. Yeah. I'm a Pisces who likes long walks on the beach. <laughs> exactly. I am totally apolitical, but fuck Trump. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> so, Ben, you've been very quiet. That's, yeah, I'm usually pretty quiet. I feel that. He's like the silent beetle. <laughs> The George Martin. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not Ringo. He's, he's not a loud no. guy. <laughs> no. Ringo was loud and obnoxious, yeah. but Ben here is, he's got that, the George Martin behind the scenes kind of. Yeah. Maybe a George Harrison? Ooh, I would say so. I call him the Beyonce of the group because <laughs> he's such a good. <laughs> no, well, if, I, if I have something to say, I say it. But usually I'm just taking everything in and kind of like, you know, adding to the picture. And that's totally respectable. 
You've been very in the pocket. It's almost like you play drums or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's great. I, I approach drums kind of like I approach life. It's like it's, you don't always oh, have sh- to be in everyone's face, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you can hang back and that's pretty yeah i kind of approach everything the same way it's just very straightforward Mm -hmm. if i have something to say i'll say it if i have something to play i'll play it now it all makes sense that that was so good i mean off the cuff (laughs) but that's like everything you do is off the cuff and it's awesome yeah, like what, whether that's a fill or I'll just like look over and I'll be like, fuck, that's good, fuck, I gotta, I'm not playing the right doll, that's good, <laughs> like, like, but you're always so... Intuitive? Yeah, perfect yeah. word, intuitive, yeah. And that's really how I play, that's how I, how I make up the beats, is just like, if it feels right, do it, and I'm, like, one of the amazing things about music for me is just being able to be in the moment and turn off thoughts and just like just feel the music and react accordingly so that's that's where i come from you know what's what's really cool about ben as a drummer is he's very willing to adjust to anything and at first when i first met him um because i want to do like some electronic-esque things later and uh this was like maybe year one i was like Hey, are you okay with like playing like an electronic kit? And he's like, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh, okay. Because he's so good, I was very intimidated by by how he can just he can pick up a riff and adjust. And if he doesn't hit that mark, you're like, well, that's really rad, but what about this? He's like, oh, dude, okay, yeah, totally. And then he shifts like a gear. He just, it's like he internally turns a knob and he's just like, oh, okay, we're going this way. And then he clicks it and then it becomes like this solid thing. Like he, he can do anything. He's a very, very solid drummer. Like just amazing, you know? And he's also very accommodating. How's it feel being so gassed up right now? Uh, kind of weird. Like, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed, honestly. Like, I feel like this is the Ben show right now. No, Ben. Like, you you have an incredible compass, like, inside of you where you, like, only go where you want to go or you feel is right or you need to go. And, like, that's why I feel like you're, like, the compass of the band where your op- opinion on recording or live or whatever is always raw and genuine and it's like i mean again this is my first time playing bass so i didn't even know that i should look to the person who's playing the drums but i'm glad that i'm looking towards you like you know like i i know i know that you always have my back (laughs) i'm glad i'm looking towards you (laughs) oh what a moment i feel the love right now for sure yeah ben's extremely humble as well but extremely talented so it, he's very good. Very good. You did mention that Ben here has been playing in several other bands before you joined Sad Halen. Really good bands. Really good bands. Yeah, I've been playing since 94. Uh, I was in high school. My first band It's called Zoe. Nobody knows it because it was a high school band. <laughs> um, name. After that, I kind of had a hiatus from being in bands. I, I tried to practice when I could on my own. Uh, after that, I did 
kind of a two-piece acoustic screamo thing with a friend I met in college and that didn't really go anywhere and then from that kind of well no I answered a Craigslist ad for a drummer for a kind of art arty math rock band called Snails and Folklore that was like 2005 and uh that lasted for a couple of years. We played locally quite a bit. Uh, it was just really weird out there stuff, and it was fun to play. Didn't really go anywhere. Uh, after that was Bestiari. That same friend from college that I played with before started a band, and it was all instrumental, um, ambient post-rock stuff. So what Ziggy was saying earlier, like soundscapes, and that was that was huge. Just musical catharsis just like it's just about the music nothing else sick so we got some recognition locally and that was cool but it lasted two years and didn't really go anywhere <laughs> and then i was in a band called portals with the bass player from that band bestiari um played guitar and wanted me to play drums and we kind of rotated out bass players and that lasted for a couple of years as well and that was more like uh, kind of kind of sludgy um, post hardcore stuff, and yeah, didn't really do much after that before Side Halen. Did you find Ziggy from Facebook? Like that post? Yeah, it's incredible. So Ziggy Ziggy posted on Facebook. Anybody uh, want to play in a shoegaze band? I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. <laughs> so I answered the ad. That's actually so. That's actually uh, Nick's fault. Nick from Grizzly Adams also saw this over in Washington. Um, that that was kind of like his encouragement. He was like, "Well, I need a drummer," you know, because he, you know, wanted to build this really cool fucking project, and now he's like doing like these awesome things. And um, at the time, I was just like, well, I don't know, like. I don't, I don't. I don't think we have like the things to accommodate like, <laughs> like a dude that good. Like I, I don't know. Like because when I did all the drums for for that Upstate record, I had to do them off a of Casio. You know, I had to like smack. Like I basically had to do these like really weird finger formations to do like a kit, like a whole drum kit, and and play drums in my fingers. And I was just like, I don't know if that's gonna work. You know, like in my brain, I was like, I don't even know if I'm that good. And he's like, come on, dude, just like put it out there, see what happens. And then I do it, you know. And then this guy, he sends me his bestiari stuff. And I think the first song I heard, I can't remember the title of it, excuse me, but it begins with him like on the toms, like the floor tom doing like this crazy roll thing. And I was just like, ah, shit. Like this guy, this is the dude that replied to the ad. Like this guy, ah, fuck me. Like he's really good. So like instantly I just got super nervous. And uh, and then he came over and we jammed some songs. I played like some older riffs for him and had a few like uh, lingering punk riffs and stuff like that. He, and he rocked them all out. And he, he was willing enough to uh, continue the band. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm down. I'm like, I'm into this. And that was like me and Nick. And then, you know, I was already working with Sarah a little bit. And then we put all this together. But, yeah, it, it was it was quite intense. You know, like the whole the whole process of like Ben coming in 
off a of Facebook ad, you know. But yeah, that was that was mostly um, that was Nick, you know, that was Nick who encouraged that. So yeah, very interesting. Um, Kitto Kato, you love Kit Kats. Oh, I do. I love Japanese Kit Kats because uh, I have like a Japan obsession. Yeah, <laughs> only a slight obsession. Mm, that's pretty bad. It's pretty up there. Like I, I love. I love all the typography. I like the, um, I like how they take, how Japan takes in music from other countries and kind of warps it into their own ideologies. Uh, I really like how they approach like uh, the indie music scene and the punk rock scene and, uh, or the dance music scene or disco or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of disco songs I really love out of Japan. Um, their whole ideology for things that I've noticed, at least when I listen to these records, or you know, I don't know if it's their their ideology completely, but it's just everything that I do here. It's done with a sense of quality and, and timelessness and lasting. And uh, even if it's done with something that isn't very good, or if it's uh, done in an area with means that aren't. They don't have all the resources. They still put out the best that they can. So I've always been really fascinated with that. And also, you know, I'm a sucker for anime. So it all kind of ties into that. Like, you know, just like, you know, going back to the vaporwave thing and the referencing of like, you know, the, the 80s and the 90s and, uh, you know, all that stuff and smashing it together. Yeah, I just, you know, for, for the Kit Kat thing, like, yes, I'm very stoked on the idea that they're like yeah we're gonna do gourmet kit kats you know and uh we're gonna put out different flavors and uh we're gonna extensively put out like all these different ones my my personal favorite was like the orange creamsicle one that they kind of have or the vanilla and orange you know but i would love to try any japanese snack in general or go into uh any of these vending machines that they have you know because they're obsessed with robotics and all that stuff um yeah i would love that you know yeah, so I know I kind of went on a tangent off of Kit Kats, but yeah, I love Japan. Yeah, like a lot. No, yeah, it's a little bit of trivia I heard from fellow Orlando band Oh, such a good band, right? Great band, great band. Basically, uh, if Florida had a, its own Talking Heads and plus more, you know, they're they're Ian's a genius. He's a, he's a little genius. He's uh, great. Was blown away when we played with them at Falcon. I was like, heard of .org, don't know what it is, what a great name. And then I was like, holy shit. Yeah, he was one of the people who asked about my amp, and I was like, I don't know, but I feel like you know, because like you sound like you know. I was yeah, like, damn. <laughs> he's really good with his riffs. He yeah. he fall like I feel like I'm I'm not sure. But he follows his influences, and then when he changes it up, he changes it, changes everything completely. And um, the most recent stuff I heard is just extremely has that like great angular talking heads thing going on, and it's just it's really good. Like everything he touches, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. He was actually the first person I ever interviewed. Not uh, really. Just like about a month or month. A couple months ago, maybe now, um, he actually told me to reach out to you guys. He um, said that you guys were super down to earth and you'd probably be super into it. I don't believe that, that you've <laughs> only been interviewing people for a month. You're... No, 
Your your questions, your research, incredible. The tiny notes. You know someone <laughs> has done their shit when they have tiny notes. Like that that is oh, how that is tiny how you notes. Tiny notes. <laughs> tiny like, notes. Yeah, that's how how did you stumble if I may ask you a question? No, I asked the questions here. No. <laughs> How, no. how did you stumble upon .org? <laughs> um, we actually played a show together. Literally, the last show I ever played before COVID, uh, you know, took a shit on the world. Right. Um, we played Grumpies. We played Grumpies oh, Underground. So, good old Grumpos. What do you play? Who, what, what band who, you in? Yeah. who are you? Who, who, who's this guy? Yeah. Oh, so um, the tables have turned. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, now. I'm who's feeling... interviewing who now? DJ. <laughs> Hold on, sir, um, let me get a little notebook. Like, uh, yeah. it's, um... <laughs> no, Grumpy's is great. We've been saying, like, we've played Uncle Lou's, we've played Will's. I'm like, we need to we need to get in that in-between space. Like, what... what and you know, our, our friend is geographically, in, is Grumpy's. Yeah. I mean, our friend I'm, is I'm gonna take DJ a time sets out, there. I do have to... I'm gonna exit real quick, use yep. the bathroom. Yeah. Feel that? Pardon me. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, uh, our, does our, anyone else need to take a bathroom break? He will come back and relieve you. Yeah, yeah. Our our friend has done a bunch of DJ sets at Grumpy's, and I'm like, like the people who are there are there for the music, like, and it it's Mm -hmm. exciting. And you also just I don't know have have I mean I guess you have stragglers and people who will walk by, but they're even if they don't know the music, they're excited about it, like. You know how sometimes you might go to a venue and people are like, oh, there's a show, there's a cover, I'm not going to come in. Like, if you're at Grumpy's, you're there and you're excited. So I, I really think that's a venue we need to, we need to cover. So what, what is your band? Who? I'm uh, part of, uh, I'm not looking, I just, I like the window. I just oh, noticed right. that yes. sign out the corner of my eye. It's kind of... <laughs> Before the sun sets at 5.30. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm part of Adam Dive. Uh, we're just like a noise punk grunge shoegaze band. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, we played Grumpies with .org. And then when I started doing this, because I've always kind of wanted to do this. And then once COVID happened, I was like, I have all this time. Good time on- to start. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I have all this time on my hands. Uh, I already had Facebook stalked him for like a month. So I waited, waited, waited. I was just like building up the courage and I was just like, hey, um, do you like want to do an interview? I've never done this before and you'd be the first. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, Ian. So he was like, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Whenever you want to just come over to my little place, just come. Just let me know. Yeah. I mean, that's like Ziggy being nervous about Ben. He was building it up in his head. But it's like, can you imagine being like nervous around Ben? I don't intimidate people. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. I try not to, at least. Yeah, that's that's so fucking awesome. So yeah, I interviewed him. Afterwards, he was like, "So who else are you planning on interviewing?" And I was like, hmm, "You got any suggestions?" And he's like, "Sad Halen." <laughs> Immediately, like no hesitation, I asked, and he was just like, "Boom, Sad Halen." So, Rad. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's like the nicest thing. Yeah, it really does. That that makes me want to play shows again, you know, yeah. when oh when it's safe. Those were good times. Yeah, playing we're, with we're gonna blow and... it out. <laughs> they, they lovely band to play with. Um, and as like a as a gear nerd with uh, .org, you know, like uh, I believe 
uh, Ian is rocking a JC120, and uh, I think the bass player at the time, the last time I saw him, he has a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, Fender Bandmaster, oh you know? Yeah, they, they have great gear, and it's just kind of, it's cool to see that. And then Ian, you know, he's kind of a gear nerd too, so like we nerd out on stuff as well but he also loves anime so it's kind of like we get best of both worlds you know i get to talk about like dumb amps and i get to talk about like you know anime with him and i think he loves evangelion and cowboy bebop as just as much as i do you know so <laughs> yeah great band um definitely if you get a chance you should check them out at band camp uh i don't know if they're on spotify or anything like that but definitely worth looking into awesome awesome music you know so sadhalen.org collab when? I mean, Ooh, we, uh, we uh, should do fall twenty twenty one. Do a fall. I'm it's just like a year from now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, well, you know, we gotta write songs. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a good like you know A B side. Yeah, we could do a split. Yeah, yeah. let's do a split. Let's do that. the splits. Splits. Yeah, we don't want to pull a hammy though. <laughs> Make sure this is why it's fall 2021. We're stretching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it takes you a while to like warm up. Yeah. Stretch. So I missed it. What do you play? And uh, what's, what's your thing? I know the tables are oh, turned earlier, oh, but. No, yeah, it's fine. You guys can ask me questions. Yeah. Uh, I play in uh, Adam Dive, like a post punk kind of like oh, noise band. Right, um, hell yeah. Uh, do you have a guitar choice that you use or? Paddle a choice, or what are you into, dude? Um, I play, I main right now, I main a Telecaster. Like, just a oh, shitty, beat-up telly. I love and a good beat-up telly. There's there's nothing better than a good beat-up telly. They twang, you know, you can put whatever you want through it. It's bright, it's fun, you know. Yeah, and they feel right. It's great shape. I, I'm personally, I'm a jazz master guy. I like my jazz and jaggies, you know. I've been meaning to get uh, my dream guitar right now is actually a Jaguar. I've always wanted one. You know, just... Squire. Squire's making a lot of great stuff right now. And they're keeping up. And they're making. It's kind of like if you want to pay 90s prices for a Fender. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't have the same. It Literally, I guess it's just missing the fun. Maybe a different wood. You know, but hey. You know, cool enough. Cool enough. <laughs> yeah, like idolizing um, Sonic Youth and all those types of bands. I've seen that guitar used. Uh, Nirvana with the Mustang. It's just... Oh, uh, I, You know, like Sonic Youth. That that was like, for me personally, that was like a band where I was just like... Well, I was always really in the art growing up. And that was kind of like my attachment to things. And then kind of like the band stuff was always secondary. And... Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like one of my dumb punk rock friends that uh, his mom owned one of the bars that I played at. And he was just like, you know, like, Sonic Youth is like an art punk band. And I, <laughs> and, and being, you know, 14 and, and being like a punk rocker, as soon as you hear art punk and you're like, you make art, you're like, oh, those go the Like, you can put those together. And I check them out and then like have other... You know, the guy, like, in my first band that I was in, he shows me, like, I think the first song he ever showed me was, like, Cool Thing. Oh, dude. By, by, which was, like, you know, we, we covered that uh, at a show for called The Hard 20 Minutes that one of our friends throws on. Um, you know, a little shout-out to uh, The Naysayer and Will's Pub. But, 
And so we, we covered that song in there and that was kind of like a nice full circle thing. But yeah, that was like my first introduction to like basically like, oh, you can like that feedback thing I like, like you can just apply that anywhere. <laughs> like you, you can you can do any like you could shove like you can take a baseball bat and grind it on your guitar and that's like you can do that so like i was like oh so i can like i can do whatever the fuck i want if i really want to so that's kind of like an, another thing that like thrown into like the wheelhouse of like oh i could do lo-fi music i could do i can use an old board from the 70s and uh daisy chain it in some way into uh into a midi you know so that's where um you know, that's kind of like the direction I want to go back into. It's just kind of like going back into, um, like, whatever we want to do, we can do and not worry about it, you know. So I'm really excited about that. Are you even messing with prepared guitar at all? Like, screwdrivers in the strings or nails into your fretboard? Have you done anything like that? or? I've I've definitely taken a drumstick and shoved it in between strings before. <laughs> not not in this band, but in other bands. I've, I've taken basses and... When I was like in a, a punk band in Elmira, uh, the band was called Elyria at the time. Now uh, there's another band called Elyria, which is like a new metal band. Um, I, I think if you want to look it up, it's called The Wonders. Um, but yeah, I used to take a bass and I used to smash it into a full cab and like grind it up and make feedback and we would just be noisy. Uh, we would smash our guitars together. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, like I wasn't like, I was just a bass player in that band. So basically I was just like, you know, facilitating the other person and uh, supporting their role of what they wanted to create, you know? So we would do songs where there would be like extremely annoying high pitched vocals where they would sing like Elmo in a way. And um, talking, you know, like uh, very big crowds, you know, and uh, you know, really make an audience feel very uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. So, like, I'm very used to, like, alienating people and also uh, making younger people come up to me and, and being like, oh, wow, that was uh, that was something different. And uh, you you kind of opened a door in a way. So, like, yeah, both both sides of the world. Yeah. 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 I've noticed I wanted to kind of ask that um, if you, you know, you being in, so into like noise and like generating such textures and stuff. I noticed the bush against the bass strings way back when it was probably just like a one off thing. But you were using the bush as kind of like a slide against the bass. I thought that was badass. You're like this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, shit. Shit. What was that from? When did you do that? Like, I don't even remember I this. I don't even remember that. <laughs> wow. it was some you do your research. Yeah, you do. I mean... Watch out, Bow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I don't even think I realized until we played that 120-minute show and we did cool things that, like, that was good to, like, play your strings that way. Like, I was just like, these are sacred and I'm only going to pick them and I'm only going to pluck them. And then I was just like... There's so much more out there. And then even just like recently, Ziggy and I were jamming at my place and he's like, you, you know, you can play with feedback and you can do this. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, speaking of sacred, like a bush against the bass, I, I think <laughs> like, I think that was probably just like a, you know, like a spur of the moment, a spur of the moment, like funny, corny, drunk, kitsch thing. But 
I mean, I'm I'm not against it. You no, know, for a show, I'm not adverse. <laughs> no, it's it, I think we on the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely think it's fun to like break up like the whole uh, idea. Because at least when I was playing music as like a teenager, that was like the time of when all these screamo bands were happening, all these big emo bands. And they're really like go back to like the gearhead thing. They're really into like running all these high gain amps, like noise gates. They're very afraid of feedback. Like feedback was like this haunted ghost that would come back and get them or like, you know, take them out. They're really into doing transitions without stuff. And then I remember one of those kids, uh, he used to ride some bus that I wrote or whatever and he was a phenomenal drummer and someone wanted to sign him at some point it was like a bigger record label and he didn't do it because his parents wouldn't let him and he had to think about his future and, and going to college he you know and stuff like that but he showed me this band which was the same setup and the same chord progressions as these other bands I can't remember what it was called but it was basically all the stuff that they're doing without like the noise gating in there and all that. So it's just like all those weird stops would just be like, and it was just like, Oh, so you can like, you can do it anywhere. Like it doesn't have to be like, like weird artsy shit. Like you can like, you can put that anywhere and it'll be awesome as a tool, you know? So yeah, I love, I love noisy stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff's good to hear. Uh, the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl in downtown Orlando. <laughs> oh, no. Tell me, please. I need to know. <laughs> um, I was uh, very drunk, and I was walking home Did from... Did you see the 30th? Yeah, it was... Oh, yeah. it's my 30th birthday. <laughs> yeah. 30 So, uh, <laughs> weird 30. story. I met a, a gentleman named guy and he was from australia and um <laughs> basically i was i was partying uh you know with the band i got done partying with the band and then then i went out to some bars the next day and uh I, as i was walking home i met a like i was just kind of on my own at this point you know i had the next day off i was like green lit to sleep in so i was like i'm gonna have i'm gonna do whatever i want i'm gonna go on a john adventure and um yeah like, like this is after i had had left him so you yeah, were so like, it's like everyone kelly had left my uh, uh kelly uh you know uh my partner she had left uh, uh the band had left and everything like i'm just on my own being in my own inebriated state enjoying downtown orlando and i find this drunken australian man coincidentally i was actually on my way home and he comes up to me, and I think I just got suckered by the accent. He's just like, Oi, can you help me find another bar to go to? I don't know anything around it. And, like, I'm on the outside of downtown. He hasn't even reached, like, the center towards, like, uh, Lizzie McCormick's or um, all those bars in that area. Now it's just like, yeah, I can do that. Like, I'm that guy. Like, I can definitely help you with that. And then basically me and this Australian gentleman, we just stumble through all these different places. And then we go to Tangeray's, um, you know, just because it was the most divey place. And I think it was actually the only place that would let us in at the time. So we went to Tangeray's and we hung out there. We ended up closing out there and we left there. And then as I was walking home from that, that's when I took that broken toilet bowl picture. And I was very 
um, surprised and blown away that the fact that there was like a broken toilet bowl <laughs> right in the crossing, like in a like a four way area. I I think it was um, shoot, I think it was like across like some hookah bar or something. Yeah, no, I, I had the same reaction. I saw that picture, I saw the <laughs> caption, and I was like, oh, jot that down. Because I need to know, like, what... The context. Yeah. Yeah. Like, need, you know, Hot Ones does, like, the... Explain this Instagram picture, like, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That... Goy! Oh, hey, sir, oh, what's your name? It's Goy! He was the weirdest character. I love how willing you were to be on your way home and then this person is like can you show me some bars and not only do you show him some bars like you go with him you're not just like you should go here or here you're like okay <laughs> like and he was like thrice that. my size thrice my size he was tall he, we're talking like a guy that was like 6'10 and big like he had shoulders and arms and a chest and everything that went with it he was a he was a large <laughs> burly man he was a very intimidating character. I was just like, whatever, dude. Sounds fun. Because I, I guess there was, you know, at that point, it was like, well, if this guy wants to hang out, I don't know. I, I guess I'm safe. He's, uh, it's like hanging out with like a tank or a, a, a train at that point, you know? Were you looking for trouble at that point on the end of, on the eve of your 30th birthday, would you say? You always have to invite trouble. <laughs> You have to say yes to the adventure, like yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, another point, you know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Just like Sarah said, yes, way back when, to play bass, to, yes. to get into Sad Halen. You say yes to the adventure, right, Ben? Yep. Yes. As, as Amy Poehler has said, and improv has proven, yes and. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't cut someone off when they have an idea, and I feel like that's what happens in so many other bands or maybe in so many other aspects of my life people are just like eh or no or yes but but here and on the, your, the eve of your 30th birthday with that australia and you said yes and we're going to tank race well at that at that sentiment i think we should all take a shot and andrew has to take a shot too Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe right that. Can, can you do that? Are you gonna be okay the interview? Like, we don't want to make you uncomfortable. You don't have to say yes to anything. No, this is totally isn't peer pressure or anything yeah. like that. Well, no, we're, we're, no, I'm kidding. Peer I'm pressure with disclosure. It's just like, well, if you say no, do I have to sign like a paper or something? Do you guys have an agreement? <laughs> No, we don't have a paper. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'll take the shot. I'll take the shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we should bring out the tequila. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing out the tequila. You're like, oh god, this interview. What did I do? Yeah. No, this is. uh Is this more than you bargained for? Let's just say you guys have tripled like the longest interview I've done at this yes, point. This has to be like 26 minutes. Please cut us off if you need to. Like. And I hope this will be edited. No, good. Okay, awesome. no, that, like, that's incredible. It's that's like, <laughs> I, for Maybe the- I just bring out the tequila and, uh... Yeah, I got oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, do we have more of these, like, uh... Oh, we do. Wedding, yeah. wedding cups? Cheers, yeah, dears? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll bring those out, too, as well. Thank you, Ben. You're a glorious man. Oh, I feel like at this point we're just torturing you, Andrew. Like, yeah. uh, what? You just said this was triple the time of 
any interview he's ever done. Oh, I guess we're just entertaining, right? Is that is that what that means? No, you guys are great. There's a little uh, bit of rambling going on. Oh yeah, we're having fun. See, you're basically having it. You're basically having like this is what we kind of yeah a little more. This is kind of like what we do basically when we hang out. Like not for practices. Like we don't do this, but when we're hanging out and kind of trying to come up with ideas or with me and Sarah are jamming together without Ben. We kind of have like these kind of sessions where we're like, well, well, we'll have some like drinks, we'll hang out, we'll bullshit, we'll talk about our days, about our weeks, you know. It's good for the mental health, you yeah. Know? All right. Uh, yeah. What else you got for us? Yeah. You know. Um. I mean. Yeah. I can show you the notes. Uh. No. No. Just, we're not... <laughs> oh no! We ruined him. <laughs> we broke the interviewer, dude. <laughs> Shit, this happens every time. So I really have two interviews. <laughs> no, okay, during during the WPRK interview, what I loved is that they wanted to know about the meaning behind Sad Halen. But oh, I feel like, shit. Oh, I can tell that story here without being censored. Exactly. <laughs> this guy, I don't think... Yeah, he wasn't... Yeah, it's radio. Yeah, it is radio. He, he wasn't ready for all the... Um, the drug reference. The, the drug references oh, yeah. with mm -hmm. within that. So there are drug references. Yeah. So currently <laughs> ingesting drugs. So I think okay. that's kind yeah. of yeah. Right. Love alcohol. Is there more champagne? Yes, there's definitely more champagne. Pass that along. So I love the champagne. By the way, once you guys said you were like Bush and champagne people, I was like, okay, I'm with the right crowd. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Bush, champagne, and expensive tequilas. That's kind of like our thing. Like, I feel like you could have the champagne of beers, but if you just have a cheap beer and they cheat champagne, then that's... It evens out. That's, yeah. That's where you are. That's and then great. if you want to be a fancy boy, just get yourself a nice uh, fancy tequila. Right. Did you just do like a butterfly motion with your hands? Because that reminds me of Mando the Butterfly. Oh, okay. So <laughs> nice segue. Really smooth. So Mando actually was found on, um, I was walking, if you look behind you, you know, like uh, there's like a little path over to Target. I was walking down the street uh, right when quarantine and lockdown happened um, on my way to Target to get groceries and in, in the panic of seeing other people and, uh, you know, being basically feeling like socialization is a death curse. Um, as I was walking, I found this uh, injured butterfly and I instantly bonded with it. And I, I, I picked up little dude and I put him on a, I was like, okay, man, like you should be down here cause you're gonna get eaten. So I put him on a tree and uh, he was like, no, fuck off, bro. And then just like fell onto me. I was like, well, I guess you and I are homies. So I carried this butterfly across the street into my apartment and then put a bunch of research into like figuring out how to feed a butterfly who can't fly, you know. And uh, I think I even went to a, at some point where I was like, well, maybe I can like reconstruct him wings, but that that wasn't that wasn't gonna happen, obviously, you know. So basically, I just had. <laughs> I know it's silly, but like I had an injured butterfly as a pet for uh, for a good month. And I think that butterfly lived far longer than a, a natural butterfly should, you know. Right, like, like normally something in captivity, its life is shortened, but you really, you really gave it a, a bigger life. 
Well, they usually say that they live for about like six weeks. Yeah. And I feel like I had that butterfly at least for about a month or more, you know. I, I just can't believe you were like, this butterfly landed on me. I'm its father now. Okay. All right. Like, yeah, what, what else can you do? <laughs> like, what else yeah. can you do? It's yours. I remember yeah. crossing the street too, and I'm just holding this insect to it's just kind of like, dude, what are we doing? I'm just like, I don't know. There's a lot of cars. And it's just kind of like, I'm not going to jump off your hand. I guess we're going wherever the fuck you're going. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's it. You, me, cross the street. Let's hope we don't die together. Please do not jump off my hand because I will not run out for you. And uh, I crossed the street and I, I brought them in. I had like uh, these little habitat things I've had made for a long time. And Wait, and, you uh, had them pre-made for uh, what? Yeah, I just I've had like uh, uh, just diff for like, you know, growing different plants. Okay. I've had like these little humidity uh -huh. like uh, terrarium things and I repurpose them just just <laughs> for this bug. And right? yeah, I know it's it's very extensive project. But, you know, I had I definitely had time on my hands, at the, you know, yeah. so it, it was we're both confused. We're yeah. both injured in a way, uh -huh. but you did what you could with uh -huh. what you had, you know, and that. Yeah. That gave that butterfly an awesome life. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. It was it's great. Like every morning, I'd wake up and I'd feed this butterfly like some like rotten fruit or like a sugar syrup solution, and I would convince them to be able to like feed on it and stuff, and we would just hang out. And then, um, you know, and yeah, that, that's kind of what I did. And I, that's the story of Mando. Yeah, your heart is just like so huge i'm yeah <laughs> so i noticed I that it happened <laughs> hmm no it's just i would do the same thing honestly yeah. no yeah. i i, I, I wouldn't know. i i wouldn't and i don't that's honesty i like that you wouldn't i i wouldn't because it's not like i'm a Darwinism person, yeah. I, I would just feel like, what can I do? You know, like, I, I think my anxiety is so much of my own survival. And I think that the empathy that y'all are imploring is really beautiful, which is why I said uh, your heart, you know, uh, like, like you thought, what can I do for you? And, mm -hmm. and I would think, fuck, I can't do anything for this being, you know, like, it's hard to think past yourself sometimes but I I, think I, so. I I think what you you did in that time that's that's really beautiful you know r.i.p mando rest in power rest in power baby rest in power you know you had a good life man yeah. great life i'm gonna i'm gonna try the light and warm up the room a bit please do yeah it's getting a little um, dark it's getting a little dreary so let's let's make it a little more warm oh look at that yeah i i yellow what 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 has been great about like you know this daylight savings Sorry. time is just like all these bats flying by this window. No way. Oh, so many! Even when we're out on this porch, you can see them fly, like past that building to the left of us and really swoop by. It's yeah. really depleted the mosquito population around here, which makes hanging out and having stoop ears way more appealing. So it's nice to have this like uh, ecological response to our hangs. Yeah. I see the bats, I'm like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Ecological response. 
we didn't do it. We don't do anything yeah. to further it. But I mean, we... the, the building provides a home for them. Yeah. Wait, you have bats living? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they have to be above here or something because they're like always right by this window. Yeah, so it, I don't know where the bats come from, but they provide a safe space for me. So it's kind of nice. I mean, you provide a safe space for them. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. And they provide you with no mosquitoes. Yeah, exactly. and mutually beneficial. I used to get bit up a lot hanging outside. Now I don't. Thanks, bats. You said mutually beneficial. Could I maybe say, and like up the ante here, like symbiotic? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that, that's quite nice. Yeah, I, that's I think what that's I was right. thinking. I'll symbiose with some bats. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think I'm not I'm not kidding. I I mean I'm sad because they're right next to us. There's that field. And they locked the gate, so like there's that parking lot. You used to be able to walk right through there and come through that gate and yeah. come around instead of going around the building. But if we could use that field and build even like a bat house or something, because there's so many bats around here, that would be a great use. I don't know why they locked that gate. Have you like parkoured across the buildings at all? No, I haven't. I've definitely daydreamed about it, but uh, <laughs> it. it one, I'm not that athletic. Two, these buildings are old and I could fall through the floor. So, yeah. Just be in someone's tattoo session, like, or someone's, like, hair braiding session, and then just be like, Hey, I'm here now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, it's like, Hi, I'm Ziggy from Sad Halen. Lovely to meet you. Um, got any water? <laughs> and you're just covered in drywall soot and such. And you're just like, been fun. It's been a, oh, it's been a lovely time. That, that's something that Donald Glover would write, and you would walk out, and you'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> Wait, did you watch Derek comedy at all? Yeah. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> like I, it's like the the bro rape, the like, just his old oh, sketches. That was pretty funny. I yeah, remember that. Was, I remember uh, that. Yeah, my boyfriend has showed me so many. Your boyfriend. Uh, All our boyfriend. All yeah. our boyfriends. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so I only know Ziggy because of my boyfriend that I met at Lizzie's. And then they were together at Lizzie's and I was there and I met Ziggy. And then he was like, be my art manager. And I was like, I'm going to be your bassist. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay. So, but but yeah, like if I mean if it wasn't for Val, I wouldn't know. When um when I first moved to Orlando, her her current boyfriend, he was my first like friend that um took me under his wing, if you will, for hanging out. And um basically uh I would I would just walk down um down South Orange or whatever or Church Street or where the hell that area is and um i would just like look for like bars that like kind of like a little divey a little mangled a little approachable and i saw this group of kids hanging out and they just looked like the coolest kids ever and i was just like well shit how the fuck do i talk to those dudes <laughs> and um so i you know march into this bar by myself with no confidence at all and um i sit next to them and uh, Valdemir, her boyfriend, noticed that like I really, really wanted to like talk to them and hang out. I was just too drunk. I was there was no way I would be able to be like, oh hey, let's hang out. Uh, uh, 
talk about things we both have in common. It's harder. It's harder yeah. to make friends, I think, than it is to to like approach someone romantically with an interest because it's hard to let people know that you are 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 just interested in like in like platonically. You're just being like. Hey, I'm new, or this like, is, yeah. hey, you know, like w without being coming out too strong, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just like, hey, man, I want to hang, and um, I couldn't do that. Basically, he kind of saw that or whatever, and I think he wanted to talk to me. And then, you know, I left, and it was already too late. And then um, the next day, he came up to me and was like, hey, man, you know, I saw you out the other night. I wanted to talk to you. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, man. Like, I want to talk to you, too. Blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> and then after that, it was just kind of like we were sewn in. Like, that was like my dude I would hang out with, you know? And that was like my introduction to a lot of people that I met. Honestly, if it wasn't for um, that little, like, chance encounter, I probably wouldn't have met uh, Sarah and Ben and uh, been doing all the other things because he also has friends who uh, play in p other punk bands around in the area who play at Lou's and so like that chance encounter at that that bar actually um, kind of sparked a lot of that stuff too so but that was like each other from like biking yeah I met Val over oh. 10 years ago mm -hmm. like he's a very accepting person and it's like I'm I have trouble making friends a lot of times mm -hmm. you know and he's just a very open person. It's like somebody I gravitate toward. He's real and then open. You know, I, w I was more willing to go out and be explorative and, and see things now. Uh, now that I'm older, I'm still the same, but like it's more like uh, I'm not really trying to score up friendships in that way in the same way. You know, I'm more about experiences and uh, indulging in and like local customs and culture and everything like that. So less networking, more memory, like, experience-based? I would say, like, networking for me with other artists and uh, even engineers and people like that are more based on, like, the feels, the, uh, you know, friendships and things like that as opposed to, uh, you know... Uh, trying to be cool. Yeah, trying to be cool and, and things like that and, and you know, um, stuff like like ego driven things it's more about like just hanging out and feeling comfortable at this point in time you know isn't that kind of like what life is all about i i'd say so i would say like you know it's more about relaxing and being able to be relaxed in situations where you want to be creative you know um how does capitalism kind of influence that in have you guys thought about that relationship between capitalism and just being able to establish relationships without monetary influence, without networking influences, just kind of like being able to live life and not have to worry about how am I going to keep this light on that's making everything so warm? Yeah, uh, I mean, we all have like jobs outside of this band. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all known that's a constant. We, we know that we want to tour, we want to make great records, we want to have great relationships in our community and like lift people up, but we're not looking to like have this band as like our only source. And so I think that like, you know, we're just happy, like cr creating things that are good, like, like outside of 
our other things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I think totally. So. Yeah. yeah. I would second that. Like, this band is not a source of income for any of us. Yeah, look, yeah. we've never we, made... We've lost money, yeah. but it's a creative outlet, and it's a good time, and it's affirmation of life. It's like, mm. I, I always tell people, <laughs> so I work to finance my awesome. lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I work to finance my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so this band is part of my lifestyle. And um, it's like you, so many people get lost in trying to make money. It's like you got to look around and experience things. It's like, yeah, we all have to do what we do. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when we're together, we exist outside of the capitalist bubble. Wow. Like we, we're not in it to make money. Mm. But... Yeah, basically all that stuff just fuels what we're currently doing. Like any any job that I take on uh, that I do make money just ends up getting wrapped up back in this. And right. then, you know, there's also like, you know, life things that I need to do with that money. But a lot of it just really feeds all of this, you know, yeah. that that's kind of where it's at. And if there was a point in time where the, the band could get money it would literally just go back into the same it would just go back into the band it wouldn't really like you know go back into us and i don't think there would ever be a point where you know we're not gonna be like driving ferraris or anything you know but it would definitely like just feed getting more gear or, or replacing strings or you know repairing amps if anything or having time to make a record or having time to make a record you know um, I think a lot of that, you know, just has to do with that stuff, you know. So that that's kind of how I feel about having to do like capitalistic things. It's like they are that stuff is a necessary evil to fuel uh, my other creative projects, you know. But I still have to do it, but I I try to like do things that uh, make me happy, you know, as opposed to doing things that make me miserable. Like yeah. fueling your lifestyle, like Ben was saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I wanted my friends to like use my lyrics. You know, I just wanted people to hear what I had to say. Mm -hmm. I, I never, and I mean, I have worked with friends that have like, you know, and written like songs and stuff with them before. And that has never given me any revenue. But when I've heard those things, I'm like, holy shit, that's my... Like, I wrote that, like, for an EP, or, like, I wrote that, that's, like, that's fucking cool. And and that's how I feel with this band, is that, like, I've always just wanted people to hear what I had to say. And the fact that, like, I get to work with my friends on, like, yeah. what we all have to say is, and, and that the community, without, like, a lot of, like, output or marketing or advertising, however you even do that for a local band, that we've gotten a response as far as, like, booking and promoting... It is pretty fucking cool that yeah, people huge. that yeah. like we've been on bills with like local bands that we super respect is is pretty fucking cool. Do you feel like there is a barrier to entry? Like, do you feel like there's some sort of block between certain bands that don't have as much? You said fuck clout chasers before, right? Who? You said fuck clout chasers. <laughs> But oh, isn't damn, yeah. <laughs> do you feel like there is a bit of a barrier to entry like four bands that don't have any clout, you know what I'm saying? Like do you a band that has 100 followers on Instagram versus 
a thousand followers on Instagram. Like, isn't it's about motivation. It's about like you can tell who's trying to make clout. Yeah. And like that is hollow. Like, who cares how many followers you have on Instagram? If you have a good, if you have something to say, there are people in this town who will back you, who will work with you. If you show up on time and are not a dick, people will work with you. That's so important though, honestly. Like showing up early, and I know it's intimidating to be like a new band and show up early before anyone's there. And it's kind of scary because like you're hanging out with the bar staff and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? But you can't your drink tickets yet. Get the fuck out of our face. Fuck off. Like go away. Um, Stop annoying me. I'm a bartender. I'm trying to set up for the day. Um, But it's so important that you do do that and keep your head down and, and in a way like you can be loud you can be obnoxious with your advertising but like when you're working be respectful of the of the venue that you're at be respectful of the bartenders that are around you don't don't try to be this guy don't don't try to be like don't a take ge- the persona off the stage yeah is all. keep keep that shit keep the john wayne bad reference on on the fucking on the stage like don't be a jackass you know like is that ironic because you're john wayne zagilla <laughs> burn but <laughs> oh got him damn but 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 try to try to keep like all the ego thing for the performance yeah. like if you get like too messed up and you act like a total jackass off stage that happens but don't be rude like mean and bitter to the people that are facilitating the venue that are they're giving you don't be a dick to the sound guy don't don't you know go out of your way to like you know nitpick everything that you have especially if you're a new band you know just try to enjoy yourself be happy where you're at you know i mean is there a little bit of gatekeeping in this scene i think absolutely i it it is hard to book shows if you don't know people who know people who know people, you know? But I think the great thing like about us is that we've all just like, like how we know Val, you know, we like know someone who's, who's very genuine, who is interested in the project itself and is like, you know, hopefully that person that knows you is also genuine, is like a friend. Like, I knew Marshall from Montgomery Drive, and he was like, you're in a project? Yeah, I'm going to put you on. And and that's super helpful. Like, like maybe if I didn't know him, it might have been harder to get onto those shows. So, yeah, I, I do think that if you might not know someone and you're starting out, you might play somewhere or you might you know, it might be harder to gain access to those venues, but mm-hmm. I hope that especially after, you know, COVID-19 in these times, we're able to open up and broaden our horizons as far as like who we know and like who we play with and, and not be so genre specific as mm-hmm. far as like, well, we're all shoegaze bands or we're all this, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely think that sometimes in Orlando it can be like who you know or you know who you've played in before yeah so that that can happen you know I yeah I I can agree with that where um at least I think that's like kind of like everywhere where you go 
there's always gonna be someone who's like, oh, well, you know, like uh, I'm the head honcho and uh, you know, I, I get to pick who plays these gigs. And at certain points, that's understandable. But also at other points, it's it's kind of like annoying. But, but I don't think that that, like, I don't mean for that to take away from us and, and what we do or who anyone books. You know what I mean? I, I think that like, if you're, if you're good, you're great. And yeah. so yeah. then I mean, you- it, Knowing people can definitely get you heard. Yeah. But I feel like Orlando is a town where if you don't know anybody, you can book Uncle Lou's. I mean, pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. yeah you can book Rumpy's. Like, there's yeah. so much Our first so show much was Coffins at, um, with Christian. Yeah, our from... first show we, we paid to put on. Yeah. Yeah. And All of this pay to plays. Yeah. Yeah. It was a venue. Yeah. So we put the show on at mm-hmm. the venue. And we had our friends out and people liked it. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep yeah. like pushing forward. And I feel like the, the thing about Orlando, too, is there's like, it's um, a ton of opportunity. Before COVID, I, I went to the Detroit, and uh, I was actually trying to find a show on a Sunday, and there was no shows on Sunday in Detroit. And like, I'm in the downtown area of the city. And I was like, wait, there's no sh- like I'm in down, I'm in a big city, and I'm in downtown and it's Sunday, and there's no show. And they're like, yeah, dude, there's no show. No, it's just like, well, if I was in Orlando. There'd, there'd be, be a something. show yeah, on Sunday. Something you know, so there's there's a lot to Orlando that a lot of people don't see. So I think that's like really important. You know, this it doesn't look like a big city, you know, um, that much, but there is definitely a lot availability and a lot of accessibility to to shows, to art, to all kinds of things in this area that a lot of people don't understand. It's not just theme parks, you know. Yeah. It's there's a lot to it, you know, which is amazing. Yeah. You, you yeah. have to put the work in and you have to have something that gets attention, you know. That's all it is. Yeah. Like, you can you can obviously pre-covid, you could book a show and you know, maybe 15-20 people show up, but if you make an impression, those 15-20 people will tell people about that. Yeah. yeah. Right, and I mean, I only moved here like about like five, six years ago, and so it's like even knowing someone who has like any sort of like clout at venue, like you're only really like one degree away from that person. So like playing a show and then just like being cool as fucking talking to the people who are at that show, like you're gonna know someone who knows someone. And so that's why it's not like, you know entirely like gatekeeping or something you know but just networking in the way where you just like get your foot in the door and you like talk to the people who are at your show yeah like you're gonna be able to just like maybe those people are also in a band you know and then be like whoa we should play like that's happened so many times i feel like at so many yeah. shows that we've played before you kind of run in the same circles and you know, just be a good person and hang out and something will happen. Yeah, if you're if you're not staying for the other bands, like... Yeah, that's a big thing, too. Don't don't show up. <laughs> that, that That's a weird move, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, like, every show we've had, whether it's local bands that, you know, we're playing with or touring acts that we're opening for, like, I'm excited to play the show. Yeah. I'm excited for the band, the other bands that are playing the show. And it's like, I hype up the show beforehand as much as I can with my limited circle. 
And it's just like, I'm thrilled to be there. It's what I want to do. Well, shoot, Andrew, I think at this point, you should probably sit with us on the couch, you know? <laughs> right? Right? Um, yeah, man. Death never smelled so good. Good. Olive oil spray used to kill a wasp. Would you recommend it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. Would you? Oh man, you are like an artoir. That's crazy. Um, oh yeah, I use <laughs> I used uh, olive oil spray of an aerosol can to to kill a wasp, and it actually worked really well, and it smelled amazing. Yeah, it was delightful. So it's effective. It is quite effective, actually, and uh, it's natural. And uh, I imagine it doesn't have any like too many bad things for the earth. Yeah, I noticed you were using like all natural, like home good or like uh, Trader Joe's type stuff. Um, I'm I'm pretty much into trying not to pollute as much as I can. I still mess up like anyone else, you know. But I try to keep everything like as biodegradable as one can, you know. I'm not amazing. I'm not like a, a crazy biodegradable guy, or, or a, you know. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not too good at it, but I, I do my best. I try. Yeah. And with that, I think, I think that's, I think that's literally all I have. Oh, the goats. I love little baby goats. What is up with that? What uh, is up with? What is up with that? So uh, basically, uh, you know, the love of my life, my partner, uh, we're both really into farm animals and donkeys and uh, have you ever goats. Have Yes, but we uh, <laughs> but we love baby goats. We love uh, donkeys. We love ostriches. Uh, any wild farm animal, really, chickens, um, cows of certain varieties that we we totally enjoy them a lot. Incredible. Yeah, I think I, I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it. Wow. You were a, a visual media artist, and that's all I want to touch on. Because I was, right, yeah, like, we'll go, we'll go. I was super interested in it because now I'm literally surrounded with it. Um, yeah. You were like a visual media artist before you, not before, but you said it was like more of a focus before like being in a band, right? Yeah, I was, I was always in a band, and uh, I was always doing visual me media stuff for like other bands yeah. at the time, like in upstate New York, and I was personally like drawing for uh, myself. Uh, I was hanging out with people who were in um, really pristine colleges and working for different magazines of high caliber, like NME and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know, uh, and I, I just don't do it anymore. So, but uh, but you downloaded like an offshoot version of Vector, right? Yes, yes, oh, I did. That, yeah, that was me. Oh, you oh no, that was her. Yeah, yeah I, sorry. I, I, oh, I did that, and I haven't um, procured any more skills from that. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's uh, that's where Sad Halen is with with that endeavor. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're just doing what we want to do. You're just doing what you want to do, and that's yeah. Sad Halen, yeah. and what I've gathered from... Do what I want, Dad! Right. And with that, uh... I think that's... Do, do you want to join us on the couch just to end the interview? Can I squeeze in? Yeah, 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 yeah squeeze, squeeze in. in. Squeeze in, please. Yeah.
Oh, Andrew. This oh, is, we love you. It's yeah. alright. You smell really good. Whoa, wow. what? <laughs> you smell great. What do you mean? Dude, what kind of Yankee candle does he smell like? <laughs> oh, shit. How did you know? Midnight Summer. Close. I think it's like, it's fall. My girlfriend loves candles. I love candles. No, no, Ziggy used to work at Yankee Candle. He gave me an entire it's true. Totally. an entire yeah. semester's worth of like just like I know so much. theology. It's there. Worth of like yeah. how to burn a candle, the the way that when what? you put out yeah. you need to cut the wick, you need to make sure it doesn't <laughs> yeah, tunnel. What? You need to yeah. make sure it doesn't tunnel in the middle. It needs to burn even. It's like a real thing. This yeah. Okay, wait. Can I tell you something that I think I was kind of proud of myself for today? Absolutely, mm. please share. Please do, please do. I lit a match. Oh, you lit a match. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And I burned a triple wick candle with the one match. Wow. Oh, 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 you lit all three wicks? All three wicks. Congrats. Three. Congrats. Even burn. Wait, Even three burn. wicks, one match. Three wicks. I would watch that video. <laughs> I sadly didn't take a video of it. Yeah, oh. Well, you know, that's a bit of a loss. I'm sorry, you want to take my word for it? I but do. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. It sings my fingertips. So. Oh, <laughs> what, what see, that's how you know it's good. What was the sense? What was yeah, what was it? It was like a cinnamon. <laughs> you know, did it have like a clove? Thing? Was it autumnal? Was it pumpkin? The one in my workspace is pumpkin. Oh, okay, okay. The one in the living room, I think, is autumnal. I don't oh. know what the exact smell is. Who doesn't love a good autumnal, you know? Right? And with that, um, I'm on the other side of the couch, or the, the barrier now. Yeah, you've broken the barrier. Yeah. Who is interviewing who now? Wait, wait, what? Um... Can we just say, I just want to go outside with my head off on three, and then that'll be like the end of it? I want to go outside with my head off? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. sure. All right. And we're... Wait, wait, wait. One, two, three, go, or one, two, say it? One, two, about... one, two, three, say it. Okay. Okay. I yeah. just, uh, I, I just, uh, one, two, three... Uh, I just want to go outside with my head off. I like pumpkin pie. And we're back. That was Sad Halen for the fifth episode of Can You Call a Queen? What'd you think? Was it too long? Was it perfect? Did you want more Sad Halen? I'm sure we all wanted a little bit more Sad Halen, but it was a lot of fun. I think I had the most amount of notes going into that session than I did for any other act that I've interviewed so far. I think the closest one was like .org. .org and maybe maybe 0 miles per hour, which is up next. 0 miles per hour up next on the podcast, episode 6. Really cool dudes, one of the biggest things um coming out of the Orlando scene right now. Big following. Super rad dudes just also down-to-earth youngins that haven't haven't been particularly jaded yet. They haven't... <laughs> it was refreshing to talk to them and just the wide-eyed hope 
innocence, joy that <laughs> that making music in your teens is. So that's up next. Uh, stay posted. It will be coming out next week uh, or whenever this thing airs sometime after that. <laughs> but Zad Halen, check them out. They're on all streaming platforms. If you want to listen to the the string of singles, once again, that's on Bandcamp. They got a bunch of stuff on there. Check out the early recordings on SoundCloud if you're into noisy bedroom type stuff. So a lot of good stuff coming out of the Sat Halen camp. A lot of good stuff coming out of the Orlando camp. 2021 is going to be a big year. I, I'm excited for all these bands to just start coming back with new sounds and new material and just a new energy for the thing. We're all going to be reinvigorated after this. I'm sure of it. So it's exciting. 2021 is going to be big. And I've got a list of people I want to talk to. So stick around. Stay tuned. Uh, uh, this has been episode five of Can You Colloquy? And you have listened to two hours of Sad Halen. Go listen to more of them. They got stuff everywhere. So go check them out. Follow them and let them know what you think. Shoot them some cash. They got some dope merch. Uh, Share the love. Love you guys. Uh, Bye.